0: Guys, I want to get loud all of a sudden. Uh, do I'm, it. Sorry, I'm about I'm get I'm going to. Jeez! I knew it was coming. I'm sorry, guys. But I need back. to do that.
1: It is. It is. You
2: feel like Poseidon chucking that bugger down.
3: <laughs> <laughs> chucking that bugger. Did you butt out that deer? I did not butt out that deer, but the next one I get, okay, it's getting its butt out.
4: Is that little speedy out here oh. in the back?
0: Probably. Drobop. Uh, bow drop, I'm sorry. Drobop. Uh, hello. Stay tuned. I'll be back after my seizure.
3: <laughs> Every little chipmunk that was running around, everything's dead quiet, and I went... <laughs> like, that <laughs> just happened. Just happened. I
2: saw what is, in essence, a naturegasm. <laughs> All right,
1: guys, welcome back to the Rutten River Pursuits podcast. Podcast. We are gathered around the Sonic Campfire tonight for an awesome, exciting episode. I'm Steve.
3: I'm Will. It's Uncle Buck. Hey, I'm Ryan. I'm Catfish.
1: I'm Kyle. What's happening, fellas? Dude. What's up, buddy? What's up? Howdy. <laughs> no, no pleasantries. No uh, uh, small talk. We're going to get
3: right to it no tonight. No pleasantries indeed. I've been saying that since I saw you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Uh, Bob Ross painting? <laughs> Absolutely not.
2: Pleasant trees, pleasant trees. Happy Clouds. happy little bush. I see you a did rock
0: right we- here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're going to jump right into it. Oh yeah, get on we with it. We have tonight our uh, first for us, really. This is this is two-time Olympic medalist on the USA shooting team, Corey Cogdell. hey
3: what? Hey, Corey. Hey, welcome, Corey. Hey.
5: Hey guys, how's it going? You guys got a full crew tonight.
2: Oh, this is every night.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Corey,
5: how are you? I'm doing great. I'm uh, super excited to chat with you guys tonight. It's a uh, beautiful night here in Florida, so all is good.
2: Uh, oh, bless your heart down in Florida. Is, is it hot? Is it, has it been... it has got to be something bad.
5: <laughs> it's uh, yes, rest. it's it's very hot. I'm about as far away from home as I can get. Uh, so yeah, coming from Alaska, this is like a heat wave for me. <laughs> oh
2: yeah, yeah. Wow. That's uh, the that's, <sighs> that's you know the what's other crazy
6: Alaska, Alaska, and Florida as far apart away as they are, seem to have the same mosquito problem. <laughs> uh,
5: yes, I, I completely agree with you. That's literally one of the first things I told my husband when we when we moved here. I was like, this is just like Alaska. It's that there's like 10,000 more mosquitoes and they're smaller.
4: Yep. yep. <laughs> That's
1: terrible. Wow. <laughs> so you grew up in Alaska, Corey.
5: I did. Yep. I was born and raised up there, um, pretty much lived all of my, um, you know, younger years up there, moved out of Alaska when I was 19 to pursue the Olympic shooting sports. But uh, yeah, Alaska has a very special place in my heart.
1: Now, whereabouts in Alaska? Like, was it a, a remote part of Alaska or I guess pretty much all of Alaska is remote, right? Yeah.
5: It is fairly, yeah, it is fairly remote. So I was born in a little town called Chickaloon, and that was a town of about 300 people. Um, That was about three and a half hours from Anchorage. And then when I was about four or five years old, my family moved to a town called Eagle River, which is about 20 miles outside of Anchorage, and that's where I spent most of my childhood growing up.
1: Wow. So how many people were in like your high school, for example?
5: Um, well, I actually was homeschooled growing up, so, so it was me and my sister um and, you know doing the whole high school thing at home. but um, we did have a local high school, I think they had you know graduations of around sixty to eighty people, so wow. um, you know, not extremely small, but definitely small town for sure i
6: i when I was in Alaska in ninety seven I went to a town called Palmer would, are you yeah, feeling yeah. I, I only bring it yeah. up because there's one thing specifically. I remember I was only in Palmer for a few days. Do we flew North, but, uh, it had the best breakfast I've ever eaten <laughs> in my entire life. Because I, I guess I, 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 I want to say that I think I'm not stereotyping here, but I don't know if Alaskans have really long days. So they gear up for a long day of work, but When this lady brought me pancakes, she brought me like 700,000 calories (laughs) full. Like it was a plate full of pancakes with some kind of rhubarb syrup on it or something.
5: Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, so Palmer is only about 15 to 20 minutes from where I grew up. Um, and that sounds like a lot of the little small diners in, uh, in Alaska, either you're going to go into a carb coma or you were going to go out and hike around and hunt something. Oh
4: yes. man.
6: <laughs> I, was, I was in the carb coma. it's one coma. or the other.
5: <laughs> carb coma.
6: <laughs> yeah. And I was jammed in next to a guy in a Piper cub shoulder to shoulder that had duct tape on the wings. So yeah, it was. Oh yeah. That,
5: uh, that's standard for Alaska. I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> if your plane's not duct taped together, it's no fun. There
6: was like three of the five gauges missing out of the dashboard. I mean, he was a good pilot.
1: but Sounds like my first car. Those weren't the important ones. So. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
6: He's
5: just licking his finger and sticking it out the window to check uh, the wind. Uh, pretty
6: much. <laughs> I, the only thing I do remember, and God bless his heart, he's gone now. He's not around anymore. So I can talk about him. But I remember him flying around the mountains as we went out to the hunt camp. And he said, I'm just going to take a lap around the mountain here to look for sheep, which I'm not allowed to do. So. You, why don't you look out the other window? <laughs>
5: yeah. Oh, man. That, was, that sounds like all the old, old codgers that my dad grew up with. Yeah, <laughs> He's yeah. like, I'm pretty sure that might be against the rules, but I'm just going to close my eyes.
6: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he was uh, around 60 in 1997, so he was he, he didn't abide by any of the standard rules. He was cool. That's awesome.
5: Oh, so, yeah. What
6: would you do to keep busy up there, Corey?
5: You know, um, growing up, I pretty much lived to fish with my dad when I was growing up. That was pretty much our summer tradition. Um, You know, being homeschooled, I had the luxury of being able to kind of make my own school hours. And most of the time, you know, that was after we had gone fishing or hunting. So um, I did a lot of fishing and hunting growing up. I was really big into mountain bike racing um, when I was younger as well in the winter, of course, you know, you got to find something to do. So I Mm -hmm. did a lot of downhill skiing, um, got a little bit into racing when I was in high school. Um, and then I pretty much found competitive shooting. And once I, you know, kind of stumbled upon that, um, that pretty much consumed the rest of my time.
6: I can totally see Corey as a young girl and like, in the winter time when it's dark all the time, it's whatever, 500 below, whatever it is in Alaska where she grew up. I can see her with like a small 410 in the back porch <laughs> going, I'll be back, I'm going to go shoot four or five rounds and then come back in and warm up and go back out. How long oh, is
5: yeah, it Oh, yeah, you got to find something to keep you busy in the long winters. I mean, it's dark and it's cold, and nine months of winter will make you crazy.
0: What got you into the competition shooting? It's, it seems to me that the way you were talking that, You didn't get into it until later, a little bit later in life, like in your teens, and you weren't raised with it necessarily.
5: Yeah, so I definitely didn't do any competition shooting until I was in high school. You know, I grew up shooting um, just basically to learn how to shoot for hunting um, with my dad. Um, But I got involved with a local 4-H program when I was in high school, um, and I got to do air rifle, air pistol, archery, and shotgun shooting. Um, So I got to kind of taste everything. And as soon as I saw that first target explode and, um, you know, kind of had that instant gratification of, you know, breaking something in midair, um, I was just totally hooked. So, um, I started doing it, you know, kind of at a local level. Um, I was actually one of the first, um, part of one of the first all girls shooting teams, um, for the 4-H and that was really cool growing up, you know, having that camaraderie with all these other, you know, female shooters. Um, so that kind of, you know, got me my start and helped me stick around.
6: At what turning point did that take? Like, at what point did, did somebody either see you or you realized, or maybe your dad went, Wow, she's like better than everybody at this? Like, at what, like, like what, what turning point go, Okay, this is where I'm going with this.
5: Um, I would say probably, you know, when I was 16 or 17, um, I started really progressing. Um, you know, I get, I get this question a lot, and I have to be completely honest. When I first started shooting shotguns, I was 14, and I was really terrible. I just sucked. I mean, I think I hit like three targets out of my first 25. Um, I had eye dominance issues and I just really couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. So it really took me a while to figure (laughs) out all that stuff. Um, and you know, if you ask any of my friends, they'll tell you that I'm just an extremely hard headed competitive person. So, you know, anything that I feel like is beating me, I'm going to just go like full on until I figure out how to beat it. Um, and that was kind of what kept me sticking around with shooting long enough for it to really become a passion of mine is because I just really stuck for a long time. Um, so when I was probably like 16 or 17 um I kind of started progressing and I started you know winning national matches or state matches and my coach at that time started taking me to some national matches and I started placing pretty well um nationally um in the American style of track shooting and that's really when um you know I think I thought you know, maybe I could take this farther. Maybe, you know, this isn't just a hobby. Maybe I could do this more of a profession and, um, started researching, you know, kind of where I could go with the shooting sport.
6: Gotcha. I love the fact that you, I love the fact of your story of your life where you Took something that you weren't real great at and, and just pushed and pushed and pushed. You became the best at it. You know, like Stevie, you should learn something from that whenever you don't catch anything with Ned Riggs. Just keep pushing. I'm done with pushing. That. Eventually you'll catch some.
2: Don't do it, Stevie. No, nope. Say, don't give up. I'm done. You're
0: headstrong. You stay that way. Corey, you, you just mentioned American style trap shooting. Uh, I, I'm a. Uh, just say A it. Novice man. at shooting. Just get it out. What exactly is American style? Are there are there other styles? Can you kind of break that down for us?
5: Yeah, absolutely. So American style trap shooting is what you will find at most of your local gun clubs. So there's American style trap and speed shooting. So for instance, American style trap shooting, the targets fly about 40 to 45 miles an hour. They come out of one single trap house. There's one machine inside that. It oscillates left to right. And then there's, you know, five shooting stations behind it. So those targets, the hardest angle they'll get is about 17. Degrees left to right, and they um, are always the same height. So, international trap, which is what's shot in the Olympics, and international feet is considerably different than that. So, for instance, international trap, there's a 60 foot long in ground bunker, so it's level with the ground. Inside that, there's 15 trap machines. Those machines throw the target 60 to 80 miles an hour. And the hardest angle you can get is a 45 degree left to right. And they also vary in height from about three feet off the ground to 15 feet. So you can get really anything within that spectrum. So trap is really the word trap just means that it's a going away target and skeet is more of a crossing target. Um, So just because it's American trap doesn't mean that that's actually what is shot in the Olympics. Um, It's just a going away target that describes trap, which is kind of confusing. A lot of people are kind of think that, you know, what we shoot in the Olympics is what you find at your your local gun club. Um, But that's very, you know, that's, that's just not the case. There's only about 12 places in the United States that have these very specialized ranges, that have Olympic-style trap ranges on them.
6: I know what now to bring up the 717 Armory to put into their place. <laughs> <Yep>. Absolutely <laughs> think that those guys could could manage putting one of them nice ones in indoor, too. That'd be awesome.
2: Is there an indoor one?
6: If there's going to be. Wow. It's going to be awesome.
5: Yes. So I heard that there's actually an indoor um, Olympic trap range somewhere down in Georgia. Someone told me about, and then there's one that I've been to over in Germany. And those are the only two indoor Olympic trap ranges that I know of.
2: Of yeah, all the coolest yeah.
6: stuffs in Georgia.
2: Zach Brown probably owns it. <laughs> yeah, or,
6: or Jeff Barron built it. One the other. <laughs>
3: well, yeah, well, well I, I mean, for me, I know that I knew all that stuff, so I'm glad you are able to clear that up for the rest of these guys.
6: I appreciate that.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: so you're talking I'm glad, about... Yeah, I'm glad you sat back and just let her tell the story.
3: I well, was, I didn't want to interrupt. I, really, I was going to answer Bucky's question, but... Yeah. I let her go ahead. <laughs> oh, good.
6: With fifteen different trap machines, the variables that can come out of there whenever they blow the whistle or whatever it is, blow the air horn when you go. Whenever you say pull, the variables coming out of there has got to be pretty crazy. That it, I can't imagine how many different directions and speeds they could go.
5: Yeah, absolutely. So there's nine different schemes that the targets can be set to. And there's basically 139 different variations of targets that you can see within those nine schemes. So when we're shooting a competition, you know, they'll set a scheme to that range um, and they'll tell us what it is, but, you know, no one has the schemes memorized and you can't really shoot that way. It's a very instinctual game. So, um, yeah, definitely a lot of variation of targets that you have to practice
1: uh, be prepared. So na- nine schemes, one hundred thirty nine variables. That's seven hundred fifty three thousand
6: different variables. I was just gonna ask. <laughs> I did the math. You did the math. Oh, he's good. He's, he's good. Boy's good. Seven hundred fifty
2: three thousand. Going- seven
6: hundred fifty three thousand and two
2: actually. I left the two off. I rounded down. That's right. a lot.
5: <laughs> right after. I rounded it down just to be yeah. safe. <laughs> right after
2: that, we're going to the casino. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, Corey, if there's only uh, twelve locations and you united states that offer this uh style of trap that's gotta make it difficult for competitors like yourself to do to get training, training yeah, in yeah, yeah. How how's that work for people that are you know trying out for the olympic team or even on the olympic team how do you guys kind of prepare yourselves for that
5: yeah well it's definitely very difficult um you know you really have to kind of you know live your life for the game um you have to hmm. live somewhere where you have access Um, to be able to train, you know, I train, you know, five to six days a week, um, you know, probably nine months a year. Um, so, you know, you, you have to just, you know, plant yourself somewhere that you can train. Um, that's just, you know, short and sweet of it. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of sacrifices that people make. Um, you know, fortunately there's some really good training facilities in the U S that really try and you know, help athletes out and cater to us. Um so, you know, there's a lot of people that live in those few areas where there's really good range access, um, great clubs that support the USA shooting team and, you know, want to see us be successful.
6: That's awesome. I I hate to make this gory, but are you right handed?
5: I I am right handed, by I am actually well was um left eye dominant. Um so I'm one of those, like, 50% of women that are actually cross-dominant.
6: Gotcha. But your right shoulder must look like Rocky Balboa's face. Like, that's <laughs> that's a lot of shooting.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, p- people ask me all the time. They're like, don't you get sore and, like... Oh my gosh. Like, doesn't that hurt your shoulder? And I'm like, no, not really. I mean, you just get used to it. I mean, it's like anything, you know, the more you work out, the less sore you get and the stronger you get And it's kind of the same with shooting. I mean, early in the season, I mean, my shoulder definitely gets a little bruised, gets a little sore, but, um, you just gotta be a little tough. That's all.
6: (laughs) I want to know how, whenever you train for this, this much, like, i mean uh, let, let me let me start this way all, so you're sponsored so obviously you don't buy your own shotgun shells they're not coming out of your pocket so like does this, this this vanna white lady show up with a truck and be like open the door and be like whoa <laughs> like here's all your shotgun shells these are just for today we'll bring four hundred thousand more next week like that's there's a lot of there's just a lot of ammunition there that has to come from somewhere
5: There is, yeah. So I'm very fortunate. Um, The USA shooting team has been been sponsored by a couple of really good ammunition companies. Currently, we're sponsored by Federal. And we're super excited to be, they just developed a brand new federal paper shell for us, which I don't know how much shotgun shooting you guys have done. But if you guys have ever shot and then smelled a federal paper, it is like, Heaven. It smells so good. <laughs> um, so uh yeah, when we um you know, when I get my ammo, you know, I probably get maybe twenty cases or thirty cases at a time. Um and you know, I go through those pretty quick. I probably shoot fifty thousand rounds a year. Um so yeah, there's a yeah, there's good a Lord. lot of ammo going downrange. No,
6: you that's
0: more a, new cast, Stevie.
6: You're living in a totally different world than us, Corey. Over here Ryan just throws dirty deer, deer urine at us. So that's all that we smell.
0: <laughs> its...
3: I believe I believe that doe estrus smells a little more. I'll, like heaven,
5: I'll send but... you some federal papers so you can smell. Them. Please, yeah, please
3: do. But you know, that a lot a like a ahead, lot like
2: shooting. You know, the more dough you get, you yeah, get yeah. used to it. Why well, was she
6: thinking? She could start her own company. She could start like a hallmark card company that for hunters it sells. Aromatherapy. Yeah, send some of her targets out that she shot.
5: Well, I like that. That's a great idea.
3: We're going to start a candle company and we're going to make two cents federal paper and dough and estrus. There you go. <laughs> we will sell a ton of those candles.
2: Plus, there's a lot of room to grow. I mean, yeah. we could. Yeah. yeah, I'm
3: pretty sure we're going to go bankrupt selling
5: that, but all right.
2: <laughs>
3: I'll buy out half the supply. <laughs> oh, boy. So,
1: Corey, you're training an incredible amount. How do you? How do you know? Training that much, whether you 're getting better or not, or are you training to get better? are you training to maintain your skill level like uh, you how do you not top out at being just as awesome at as awesome? being awesome yeah, at yeah. being an olympian at being an olympian how do you get better from
2: that
5: yeah, oh, yeah. that that's a really good question million dollar um, question right there well I mean, I think for me um because i 've won. Olympic bronze medals, um, and USA kind of incredibly, yeah. <laughs> incredibly close to winning those golds. Um, you know, that's kind of what continues to drive me. And, um, you know, after this last Olympics in, um, 2016 in Rio, I kind of came home and, you know, obviously any medal is an incredible accomplishment and I'm so incredibly thankful and blessed to have, you know, won the medal that I have, but you know, kind of, I kind of sat back and said to myself, you know, what do I need to do to get better? Um, you know, if I'm going to go another four years, you know, how do I change that outcome from being third best in the world to being the best in the world? Um, you know, so that's a, that's a great question. I think... Um, the mental aspect is really important. Um, you know, I was literally one target away from having a guaranteed gold or silver medal at the last Olympics. Um, you know, so, you know, pushing yourself in training and in competition, um, you know, so that you can really perfect your mental game is a huge part of it. Um, you know, the other thing I did, um, that has been probably the hardest thing I've done in my entire career is switch from being a one-eyed shooter to two eyes. Um, and I mentioned before that, you know, I was cross dominant, um, growing up. So for the, pretty much for 15 years of my career, I shot with a piece of tape on my shooting glasses, blocking out my left eye, forcing my right eye to be dominant, Um, so after that last Olympics, I said, you know, I really feel like the one thing that's holding me back is that, you know, late in the day when usually finals are, you know, the light's getting bad, I'm tired. Um, I feel like, you know, not having both of my eyes working together Mm -hmm. is really a handicap for me. So, um, that was the decision that I made to kind of go down this journey of learning how to shoot with two eyes. Um, and that's. Been the biggest challenge by far that I've ever um, undertook in my career.
6: It could be worse. I mean, the orange clays could look, you know, black and white if you're Ryan. Ryan can't see color at all. Anyhow,
3: he's <laughs> got an issue with his cones. Are you, are you colorblind?
5: It's cones, or... it's
3: rods, and cones. Rods and cones. But yes, uh, <laughs> he doesn't like colorblind. to talk about it. Uh, not a lot. <laughs> he definitely can't see
6: stingrays in the water. I know.
0: <laughs> Corey, I've got to ask: How does one teach themselves? At this stage in your in your career, shooting career, to go from one eye to two eyes, what what all goes into that?
5: Um, I, a lot. So I started this process um, just about two years ago now, and um, I, I started working with a eye doctor um, that gave me a lot of different exercises to help uh strengthen my right eye to force that eye to be dominant and to train that eye um basically to be my dominant eye um and then I had to relearn basically really everything I knew about shooting um what a proper sight picture looks like um you know you can imagine if you've been dampening all of your senses by 50% and then you um you know take um you know, that handicap away and you have a hundred percent of your senses, you know, you're so much faster. Um, you can see things so much clearer and you would think that would be great, but everything you've known about timing and sight picture and movement completely changes. Um, so really having to relearn all of that from the ground up, um,
1: Corey, I'm a little slow here. Yeah, See,
2: it's true. It's it, just, he you're is.
1: You're yeah. aiming. Uh, Don't sell yourself we, short, bud.
2: I'm
5: yeah, yeah. a
1: lot slow. <laughs> here. You're really slow. <laughs> you're, you're you're. Are you aiming with when you say a two-eyed shooter? Are you aiming with both eyes open, or are you being able to switch between? Are you talking about being yeah. switching between right eye or left eye?
2: No, both eyes so,
5: open. So
0: ambidextrous. <laughs> <eyes, laughs> <When eyestress. laughs>
5: Yeah. So with a shotgun, the general rule of thumb is that you always want to keep both eyes open. So okay. unlike shooting a rifle or a pistol where you're really looking down the sight, trying to line the spikes up, um, with the, you know, scope or the beads or, um, the sights, um, with a shotgun, you're really focusing on the target the whole time. And the sights are in, in the background. Gotcha. Um, so everything, um, is pretty much driven off of, how your eyes are looking at the target. So when I say I went from being a one-eyed shooter, basically I was shooting a shotgun, like I would a rifle. I was blocking out that, um, that, undominant eye, um, which would have been my left eye. So obviously if you're shooting right-handed, you want your right eye looking down the barrel. Um, but for me, my left eye was my dominant eye. So everyone has the dominant eye. Some people are left, some people are right. Um, and you know, some people are left-handed and left eye dominant, right-handed, right eye dominant. And then some people actually about 50% of women are cross dominant, You know, leave it to women to be the screwy ones. And um, a lot of us are right handed and left eye dominant. So that's what I was. So. Um, It just makes your sight picture look super wonky, Um, Steve's and you can't hit camp. the broad side yeah. of the barn.
1: <laughs> I, I must be half woman, or, what, or part of that fifty percent. You could you be. I mean, I'm the same, same way. I'm the same. I'm, my my right son is
3: also. Is Everything's right-handed. It's been all of his life, but when we start shooting archery, he's left eye dominant. So we close my right eye. I've yeah. heard Corey with his left eye
6: closed, with targets coming from left to right, she's actually missing milliseconds that could make a difference. Probably with the target coming out.
5: Yep, absolutely. So most of the time, you know, if you're shooting like a straightaway target and you're left eye dominant and you're shooting right-handed, you're going to miss to the side of the target because it appears that you're right on the target, but the wrong eye is looking at it essentially. So, you know, just like you shooting archery, you know, you're having, you're wanting to see with that dominant eye, even though it's not your dominant hand.
3: Well, one of the things that I ended up doing with my son was having him shoot left-handed. So rather than retraining your eyes and working on your sight picture, did you ever consider shooting left-handed? I was just going to ask that you this, that, Was gonna that something that you just have ruled that out? or?
5: Yeah, so I absolutely recommend everyone to do exactly what you did. Um, if they have a child that they notice is like cross-dominant like that is before you build that muscle memory of how to hold a gun or a bow, um, just switch them over to, you know, match their dominant eye with their dominant hands. So unfortunately when I, you know, started shooting um shotgun, my first coach, he just slapped a piece of tape on my left eye oh. and forced my right eye to be dominant and I shot like that for, you know, twelve years Oof. and you know, was able to be successful doing it. And, you know, it was the only thing I ever knew, but if I could go back in time, I would have definitely done exactly what you did.
6: His name was Chuck, wasn't it?
5: (laughs) Chuck. No, his name was Dave, but I'm sure him and Chuck were probably pretty similar. (laughs) Well,
6: my high school (laughs) archery instructor's name was Chuck. And he tried to tell me to to straighten my arm and bend my arm and straighten my arm and bend Which my arm. What's Chuck know anyhow? Yeah. yeah. Well, my dad was an archery instructor, and let me tell you, don't bend your arm when you shoot archery. Do you, Ryan? Oh, you do. Okay.
2: Oh, <laughs> thanks, hey, Chuck. L- listen, I'm more in Ryan's camp now. He's apparently dad of the year with all of his advice. Isn't it? Why? Because
6: yep. he found a left-handed bow at a flea market and said, you're shooting this one. No, <laughs> I, just,
3: I, just had, I just had a two-time <laughs> Olympic medalist confirm my theory. Yeah. So I'm good. I'm tapping out. Left-handed flea market. This is bow. your day, bud. It's all, That's
2: right. It's and all, it's all coming up, Ryan. <laughs> Thank so, you, Corey. Cody Chuck <laughs> from now on. Corey, I want to move into uh, a, a little bit of the uh, our wheelhouse and uh, let's Talk about some things that you enjoy when you're not shooting uh constantly. I love that idea. like what do you have time to uh to enjoy the outdoors?
5: I do. Um, not as much as I'd like, but I think a lot of people could say that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely um, you know, love to hunt, love to fish. Um You know, when I can get back home to Alaska, especially in, late summer, early fall, um, I love to hit the salmon runs. Um, That's one of my biggest passions. Um, And then, you know, I love to hunt in the fall. Um, Last fall, I got to um, go on my first elk hunt in Colorado, and that was amazing. Um, You know, growing up in Alaska, I got to do a lot of really cool big game hunting, um, you know, but I still haven't gotten to do a ton of deer hunting down lower 48, which is kind of backwards um you know for a lot of people they're all wanting to go hunt moose and bears and you know stuff up in alaska and i'm just like man i want to kill a huge mule deer (laughs) um nice so yeah i mean i definitely get to get to go out but not as much as i'd like to
2: so you're down in florida which is you know for all intents and purposes widely considered the fishing capital of the world Yeah. have you been yes able to take advantage of that resource?
5: Um, I have a little bit so my husband and I um, when we first moved down here so we moved here uh, about six months ago Um, we went over to the Palm Beach area and we did some deep sea fishing and that was my first kind of like warmer water deep sea fishing that I got to do Um, and I have to tell you it's definitely way more fun than hauling a halibut up from like 300 feet down in the ocean.
0: How is that more Um, fun than that?
5: (laughs) Halibut fishing is like hauling a dead body off the bottom of the ocean. I so,
2: uh, so want to do that. You get it's, to shoot the halibut you twice a week. That the is cool. You get
5: to like hunt and fish at Either the same one. time. I mean that is cool, but <laughs> uh but yeah I mean I got to. um we got to fish for some uh, Molly uh uh kingfish and uh God what else did we catch? We caught a whole ton of different kind of species of fish and it was awesome i mean yeah i'm i'm definitely hooked i want to get out again
6: so how far away are you from miami maybe we should hook her up with book and let her go catch some peacock bass
2: yeah you got to go. get
6: out oh
5: maybe. my gosh yeah yeah, I would yeah. Love
2: that. we can get you set up with the peacock bass <laughs> yeah, for we sure. know some we, people know, s- Florida. we know a whack of guys down there that are just all over that mhm mm-hmm.
5: that would be awesome Well, yeah, I'd love to go fish for some peacock bass. I really also want to do some like fly fishing in the Everglades. Um, I think that would be awesome. Um, So, yeah, I I need to figure out who who is my fly fishing connection down here in Florida because I'm pretty hooked on that too.
2: Yeah, I'll get
1: on that. I'll I'll figure that out. Do, Do you do any hunting down there?
5: I haven't done any hunting yet, but I really want to um, do some pig hunts for sure. Um, yeah. I know the pig hunting down here is amazing. Um, a couple of years ago, my husband and I came down here, and um, we hunted Osceola turkeys. Um, and that was um, for my North American Grand Slam. Um, so I, nice. Osceola was the last one I needed. Um, so that was really cool. So I'd really like to do that um, you know, this spring again, now that we're living down here. Um, and then I totally want to kill a gator for sure. Um, oh. I think that would be amazing. I, I mean, I'm a girl's girl too, so I'd love a purse and
2: some boots. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Le- Leanna says the same thing. Like she had, like that's, that's on her, her bucket list is for, to have me kill a gator for that purpose.
6: I totally <laughs> yeah. missed this whole, uh, uh, what was going on. I thought she was like in Florida training. She, she, she actually lives in Florida. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. So. What we actually have is we have a whole nother house to go stay at now, is what I hear. So it sounds yeah. like in a different area.
2: <laughs> Cat, I'm just going yeah, to, I'll tell you, catfish is one, never met a stranger. <laughs> and, and, number, and number two, you're going to find him, invite himself to different things that you probably didn't plan on.
6: I'm very good at sleeping on couches, garages, and just showing up at like two in the morning and going, are we going fishing?
2: Let's roll. You're always going to do something epic. I can guarantee when Catfish (laughs) shows up, it's going to be epic. Uh,
6: I don't like to pay for hotels, and I don't take up a lot of space.
5: (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what. If you can give us the fishing or hunting uh, hookup, I got a couch with your name on
6: it. I love it. There it is. careful Uh, what you wish for. I will bring my 410, and we will hunt pigeons in Florida.
2: <laughs> he he loves that thing.
6: I love my four ten. I can't. He has,
2: yeah. Do you ever? Maybe miss, you can get him to shoot a twelve. I gauge don't miss sometime. much.
6: We, I like guys make fun of me because I hunt pheasants with it. But with your four ten, it, yeah, it's a heck of a. It, it's a good challenge. You gotta get
5: Absolutely. close. and don't run any meat.
2: Aim exactly. small, yeah. Aim small, <laughs> shoot
3: small. That's a good question.
2: <laughs> I Stevie. feel
5: like you and my dad would get along great.
6: <laughs> hunting, <laughs> hunting squirrels with a four ten is kind of how I cut my teeth growing up as hunting. So yeah, like shotguns have a big, you know, huge soft spot in my heart for, that for shotguns like in general. like
1: Bucky too, right, mm-hmm. but, yeah. yeah, I yeah. love shooting shotguns.
6: Real quick, let me ask you, let me ask you a question that's been burning me up here. So. The, the two medals, one was in Rio, was that right?
5: Yes.
6: And where was the other one?
5: The other one was in Beijing in
6: 2008. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So if there were, if, if, if it, it were to be coming up, where would the next one be?
5: The next one will be in Tokyo in 2020.
6: So you get to go to Tokyo. Is there a couch there? Because I've not been to Tokyo. <laughs> <before>. <laughs> well,
5: I got to qualify for Tokyo first, and then I'll have to look into the couch for
6: you. Yeah, so <laughs> You can do it. When you get to go to these places, like this was my question, do they give you any downtime to just like 10 hours a day or whatever, just go do whatever you want?
5: For the most part, we usually get like one off day. Um, usually, the day after we travel, we don't um practice or compete. So that's usually our one day to kind of explore and see the sites and everything. And then the rest of the time, honestly, it's pretty much from the hotel to the range, you know, back from the range to the hotel and, you know, you're at the range 10 plus hours a day. And, you know, when you're done there, you really don't want to go explore. You just want to melt into your bed and fight <laughs> the jet so, lag.
3: And, and this yeah, is exactly why I know I'm not an Olympic athlete, because I just would see that as an opportunity to just party. Like, let's go have fun. No, We're in no. a whole new country. Mm. Let's just let loose and go crazy for I a while. I agree. How patriotic would it be
6: to just run down the street of Rio with a, this is my 12 gauge. And I'm here. It, it's <laughs> This is part of me. Okay. I'm just going to walk around in the different bars with my 12 gauge. And
3: I'm in Rio. That's right. I don't think uh, me and Catfish would meddle. I'm pretty sure we would not. Yeah, I don't think that no, would bad
5: probably be a good idea. but we might meddle
0: You would have end, ended up with the, <laughs> the swimmers and the pokey. It might yeah, have, been the, yeah. <laughs> you would
5: have been <laughs> like, one of Tuesday. those international incidents, I can tell.
2: <laughs>
3: oh man, Dude, without a doubt, that's, his, that's their that's middle on,
2: names. That's on his bucket list. Is <laughs> <an> interna- <laughs> international incident. Rutten River's
3: been in an interna- international incident for a while.
2: <laughs> can we Just caught?
5: mark that off the bucket list. Oh yeah,
2: we're starting our third season of international
0: incidents. We didn't cause one this year, though. I don't think.
6: Corey, if you would have a young girl or a young boy come up to you and ask you any questions about getting into shooting, what kind of, uh, what kind of advice would you give them as a starting out shooter?
5: I mean, I think the biggest thing is just to go out there and have fun. You know, don't, um, you know, don't worry too much about hitting or missing the target in the beginning. Um, you know, just make sure that you're listening to your instructor trying to you know, really pay attention and take it all in and go out there and have fun. I mean, it's such a fun sport. It's something that, you know, if you learn, you can do for the rest of your life. Um, You know, so just go out there, have fun. Don't take it too seriously. Um, You know, like I said, I really sucked in the beginning. I hit like three (laughs) out of 25 targets. So just because, you know, you don't hit a couple, you know, your first time doesn't mean that you can't learn and can't get better.
6: You hear that, Ryan? Yeah, Corey, yeah, thank listen. you so
2: much for saying that. Because as good of a dad as Ryan is, he actually wrote and took a note there. Like, it was really good. Yeah, yeah.
6: <laughs> There's still time. <laughs> so what there's, you're telling me, is still, still a time. chance.
2: Yeah, he's going to use that one. What?
6: Go, well, that's great advice. So at your level, though, um, and this might even be personal. You don't have to answer it. But what goes through Corey's head when you miss a target in competition?
5: Mm. Oh, that's that's a good one. Um, so I always kind of describe the mental game as like the waves in the ocean. So your thoughts are like the waves in the ocean and you can't stop the waves in the ocean, but you can learn how to surf them. So your thoughts are just like that. You can't Mm. stop you know, those thoughts from coming in your mind, you just have to learn how to deal with them. So, you know, I think the people that are really successful in the shooting sports or really extremely mental sport, they've just learned how to deal with all those thoughts that go through their mind. I mean, I definitely have negative thoughts. I deal with fear and insecurity, you know, all of those little things kind of creep in and come into the back of your brain. And it's really what you do with that and and how you kind of learn to surf those thoughts that, you know, separate the people that are pretty good and, you know, the people that are great. So, um, you know, sometimes they go into a match and it is like, you know, I'm super confident and, you know, everything is super positive, it's going in my mind. Um, Or, you know, maybe I haven't really trained that well, you know, leading up to it. And I've got kind of some of that insecurity in the back of my mind and a little bit of that fear. And, you know, I've got to battle through that, um, through the match. So it just really depends on you know, kind of how the match is going, you know, how I prepared for the match, how I've been shooting, um, you know, what's going on in my personal life. There's mm-hmm. a lot that plays into it for sure.
3: Yeah. That's, that's way more honest of an answer than I was expecting. Yeah, no, I, I, I really yeah. appreciate you saying that. And not that I was expecting you to lie, but a lot of times you just hear, you know, people say things like, you know, Oh, you, you can't let those thoughts creep in. You got to force them out. You got to work around to battle through them. I like the waves. And, but, but that, that, yeah, that analogy of, of riding the wave. Like, you can't stop those thoughts. They're coming in. I like the waves, the yeah. ocean, you I can't can stop. I can not use that in yeah. real life. That is yeah. brilliant. My- just trying
6: to fall <laughs> asleep, deep. I like that. It,
2: love it. My yeah. thoughts of, of insecurity when I'm shooting is like like a tsunami. Like, yeah. And it's like... I got wet I'm standing
3: next to you. And I, <laughs> you stand in front of me was, and it, it smacks you in the face. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm
2: moist. like the Andrea Gale. When I, I can't. I'm not going to. I don't. The rudder's gone, Captain. I'm, I can't, can't overcome it. We're going
6: down. <laughs> so, going on that, too, is like one One last question, I guess, for me is as far as competition goes is like whenever I was younger, I, I shot a good deal of archery, like at a state level, which was no big deal. But to me, it was at 15. Do you have problems? I had a lot of problems. I was laser focused and I was really good at what I did until my girlfriend showed up to watch. Do you ever have like, and I fell apart badly? Really? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. When yeah, well, that's, not you're kidding. not I'm telling, telling the whole,
2: you're not telling the whole thing. Yeah, two girlfriends
3: <laughs> when both girlfriends when both up. girlfriends showed up at the same time. <laughs> All right, that's a whole nother level. I get it now. Yeah. Um,
5: that's a lot of waves to surf, I
6: can tell you. <laughs> it sure was. So, uh, no, but like, when family shows up to a bit, like at, at at the Olympic level. When you have people that are watching you, other than like your coach, you're normally, you're used to being around when your husband, Americans. when your very small husband that you have shows up that I've seen <laughs> pictures of yeah, just... to watch you, does that, does that ever get to you mentally? Or is it just better if, if you're there doing it without the there? You know, like, does that make sense? Like my family yeah, always absolutely. made me nervous when it got higher level of competition.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think it really boils down to like, whatever you do in practice, you should do in competition. I mean, for me, you know, for the last 10 years, I really haven't had, you know, my parents there, um, any family there during my competitions, you know, my husband's work schedule doesn't really allow him to come to many of my competitions. So for the most part, I'm really on my own. Um, so I kind of like to keep, you know, what I do in practice to what I do in competition as well. Um, now that being said, you know, the Olympics is a very special event. So, um, you know, I've had friends want to come to that. And, uh, my family came to the second Olympics I was in, in London in 2012. Um, and, you know, I can just kind of deal with it by saying like, Hey, look, I'd love to have you there. You know, I love for you to be there and witness, you know, this great experience for me, but you're on your own. Don't call me if you have a problem. Don't text me. Like, I mean, you're completely on your own. So that's kind of how I deal with it. Um, and you know, that's kind of alleviated a lot of stress on me at those big matches. Um, cause that you can't be worried about like, Oh, are they here? Did they're you know, driver, pick them up. Did they get to the venue? Did they get in, you know, all this stuff. Um, But I actually, I did have an interesting thing happen um, in Rio. Uh, One of my close friends, he wanted to come to Rio and I told him, I said, okay, you can come, but you know, same deal. You're on your own. You know, I can't help you find a place or find transportation or anything. It's got to be your own thing. And He's a very, very capable guy. Um, so you know, he uh came to Rio. We talked the morning of my event, and he said, Hey, I'm on my way. Um, I'm going out to shoot my first round. And I look up into the stands and I cannot find him anywhere in the stands. I'm like looking and waiting. I'm like, man, it is not like this guy. You know, to not be here. Well, like he was he out came by all the corner.
4: You,
5: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought, you know, I'm like, okay, maybe he's, you know, wandering around checking out the sites while. Well- you know, I go out to shoot my first round. He's nowhere to be seen, and in the back of my head, I'm like, "Oh my god! Like he got killed oh, somewhere no. on the side of the road in Rio, and he's in a ditch." You know? Like, yeah. It's who road knows? Rio. You know, the, there's some pretty man trafficking, yeah. stuff man that trafficking. happened there. Yeah. So, yeah. um and he actually he didn't show up until halfway through my first round, and I. Turned around and he looked totally disheveled, just pouring sweat, totally stressed out. And, you know, I'm trying to focus through my first round of, you know, Olympic competition. I'm like, this is exactly why you don't have friends and family come to this stuff. Just leave them at home. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So you know, you got to be able to tune that stuff out if you do involve your family. That's for sure.
6: sure. Speaking of family, I mean, this podcast is all about you, so I don't want to turn any tables around. But are, but, we, are we allowed to mention your small husband?
5: Yeah, you can talk about him. I
6: mean, he's got to be at least at least five eight. So yeah. five nine, probably five nine. Yeah, on a yeah, good day. He's dad.
5: Just a little guy.
6: And I, I'm I'm very sorry. I forgot his first name.
5: Yeah. So his name is Mitch. Mitch. Um, our very last name is Unrhyne. So Mitch Unrhyne. And yeah, he's, he's a big guy. He's about uh six, five, three Oh five. He, so.
6: he wouldn't happen to be <laughs> hanging out in the Tampa Bay area. Would he?
5: He is. Yeah. He's currently playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's a huh. defensive lineman and uh, he just started his, Uh,
6: Ninth year in the league, so that's great. Um, He must be a cute little guy. (laughs) (laughs)
5: He's
6: he's a big teddy bear. No, I doubt that. He sounds uh, precious.
2: (laughs) He sounds precious. It's It's funny funny. though. Like it's really nice. Like I've seen some interviews, and and he just he, you can tell how much respect he has for Corey, and and. Gives you all the props, you know, it says that you're a better shooter than he is. I love it's, that interview. It, it's the best. <laughs> yeah.
6: That interview says when your wife teaches you how to shoot, you gotta swallow your pride. Yeah, I love that
4: interview.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah, so, I, uh, super cool. You I, have went a through, uh, I, I
5: went through uh I went through a couple boyfriends before him and you know, I always told my dad, I said, I think I'll I'll know the one when you know, I, uh, I teach him to shoot and he doesn't act, you know, all pompous and like, Oh, I can't believe this girl's out shooting me and teaching me how to shoot, you know? And, uh, he was so, you know, humble the first time we went out to the range and really listened to all the instruction that I had to give him. And, you know, he wasn't that big macho, um, guy that wouldn't take instruction from a woman. I'm like, you know what, this guy's pretty secure in himself. That's, That's a good
4: sign. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Nine
1: years in the NFL will do that to you, I would imagine, huh? Yeah,
2: absolutely. If I'm not mistaken, too, like he's no stranger to a shotgun. I think he grew up waterfowl hunting for the most part, right?
5: He did. Yeah. So he grew up, um, pretty much in like the farmlands of, uh, Colorado, um, North of Denver. So yeah, I mean, he grew up, you know, during doing waterfowl and upland bird hunting, um, with his family, you know, he's played football pretty much all his life. So unfortunately, you know, he's been pretty much tied up every fall during big game hunting, but that's definitely on his plan. As soon as he's done playing football is he wants to go deer hunting.
0: Wow. that's awesome as far cool. as
6: as far as your dad goes, like I guess like all dads worry about their daughter, especially with the world traveling you've done to China mm-hmm. and everywhere else. but I guess like there's no better way to not worry about your daughter than to know that she 's a world class Shotgun shooter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Don't you worry good about point. her going to Tokyo? No, not at all. Nope, she's nope. good. She's good.
5: Oh, yeah. We, um, we definitely have guns all over the house, and he knows I know how to use them. So, I mean, we, we're we all about the uh, make my day law. You come into my house, you're going to have a very bad
0: day. Um, wow. <laughs> now, now, Corey, the one thing uh, that I know the hunting community struggles with in recent years is getting the younger generation involved. Is that something that you see carrying over into the shooting sports industry just you know, given the current environment and the big anti gun movement? That's a good question.
5: Yeah, I mean, I definitely do see that to some extent, Um, you know, in certain uh, disciplines in the shooting sports, we've seen a lot of growth as well, especially in kind of the um, women and, you know, youth women coming into the shotgun sports. I've definitely seen an increase in that in say the last 10 years, which is awesome. And there's some really great youth organizations that have, you know, started introducing, um, like junior high and high school level kids into specifically the shotgun, um, disciplines. Um, but I mean, it's definitely something that we still struggle with. Um, you know, it's just like hunting and fishing, unless you have someone that's kind of bringing you into that, you know, most people are really intimidated to just go to a range and say, Hey, my name's, you know, Sally, I don't know anything about this. Teach me how to do it. Um, You really have to have, you know, people bringing you into it. So, you know, I think the most important thing as, you know, outdoorsmen is to really continue to pass on, you know, that passion to not be afraid to, you know, take your friends to the range. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, we took a group of like seven Z-line men from Tampa Bay out to the range here. And I think five out of the seven had never shot before. And by the end of the day, they were like all obsessed. They're like, when can that's we go cool. next? This <laughs> is the most fun thing we've ever done. Like, that's how do cool. we get a shotgun? What shotgun should we buy? You know, and <laughs> that's great. That's the experience that I, you know, see with really bringing anyone out to the range is you introduce them to the sport. You share your love and your passion mm-hmm. with it. And most people, you know, they love it. And even if they're not into hunting per se, you know, just the shooting sports in general. Um I mean, shooting shotguns is like golfing with a shotgun. You know, you can walk <laughs> through the woods, you know, go shoot some sporting plays, you know, go drink a couple of beers afterwards and yep. chill with your friends and um, you know, it's a great way to spend the afternoon.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So Corey, you're standing there, and this is going to be. This might be tough for you to describe, but you're you're standing there at the end of the Olympics or the end of your event, and you've trained for four years for this particular Olympics, and you're about to get your medal, knowing that you represented your country, the best in your country, and one of. And I don't care that you know bronze, silver, gold. You that there's there's such a small. She's on the podium. You're on the podium. I mean, you. Yeah. You're all the same at that point. I mean, there's really not that much separating you. It's. Yeah. What? You're representing your country at that point. What's going through your mind? The whole world's looking at you. The whole world's looking at you. Put that into words for us.
5: Um I mean honestly it's just the most amazing feeling you know my two favorite feelings that I've ever felt at the Olympics was one walking into opening ceremonies with over you know 550 American athletes you know you walk out you hear USA called and everyone's chanting USA and that's that first moment that you know, you really realize you're at the Olympics, you're representing your country, you're walking behind the flag, and you're really there. Um, And that's, it's just um, such an incredible feeling of pride um, that you feel, you know, to be an American. And then, you know, the ultimate feeling is standing on that podium. Um, And I kind of describe it like, your life flashes before your eyes, you know, you see, um, you know, all the good days, all the bad days, all the people that helped you along the way, all the people that tried to tear you down and told you, you couldn't do it. And, you know, you have this just complete rush of emotions. Um, it's like the biggest feeling of relief, um, because you've been, you know, your nerves are on a thousand for the last several weeks. Um, you've been fighting that anxiety all day. And finally that, um, releases and then just this intense feeling of just, um, you know, being overjoyed and, um, you know, sense of accomplishment that you've worked four years, literally for this moment and you were able to capitalize on it and you're standing on the podium and, uh, you know, just how grateful you are to be standing there mm-hmm. getting a medal put around your neck, no matter what color it is.
2: I can't imagine I, the anxiety bumps, like, yeah,
6: like, I do the, too. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking, I, I don't even know what it would feel like to go, I have to wait four more years to try this again. Yeah, that's it, seems like an eternity. Like I, have, I can imagine yeah, if I mean, it was just it, one year, it would feel like an eternity, but four years.
5: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, and it it really, especially, you know, for my sport, and I know there's other sports like mine where, you know, unlike swimming and gymnastics and, you know, some of those other sports, track and field, where they have, you know, five or six or seven or eight or nine chances to win a medal, you know, my event is one day I have one chance and I have Mm -hmm. no second chance. You know, I don't have another event to go compete in where I can win that medal. So, you know, the fact that it all, all four years of work comes down to one day and being able to perform on that one day. And when you're able to do that, it's the best feeling in the world.
6: God bless you.
0: Corey, asking for a friend with with (laughs) such a deluge of emotions, All, all in one day. How do you stop from just losing it on that podium with all that emotion and just sobbing? I'm you not. wouldn't be able to take a butt. I wouldn't. I mean, oh, I mean, you I mean would my, have, my friend wouldn't. <laughs> you would have a stroke.
2: <laughs> you would have a stroke. You have to. Sque- I think you have to squeeze your butt cheeks. Yeah. <laughs>
0: like really <laughs> like, and, you, and, like, and your like, eyes really tight. How did, and hold how your did you do that? Like like. Squeeze your butt cheeks. No. Like <laughs> keep, keep it together. together. Keep it together. It be difficult.
5: Well, usually I'm pretty much cried out from by that point because <laughs> I mean, so both of my Olympic medals have been won in a shoot-off scenario, like a sudden death shoot-off. Oh gosh! So you know, you want to talk about like heightening anxiety and pressure emotions? Yeah. I mean, that'll do it. I need um, that Like <laughs> <laughs> you know, so if you if you literally just like. Google my name at, at like 2016 Olympics, probably half of the pictures you'll see is me just like with the ugly cry face <laughs> as soon as I won. Cause I just oh. literally lost it.
0: <laughs> I think we all would, my friend yeah. would be there with you. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. So, and I have another question. I, I'm also fortunate. I have a buddy who um, was in Beijing and he ran in the marathon. And uh, oh, nice. so like, uh, he didn't actually get to go to like opening ceremonies because of the conditions and things like that at, uh, yeah. in Beijing and they were training, uh, it's the last event. So they're training outside of Beijing to before the race. And my question to you is like over the, you know, the, the the Olympics that you attended. I mean, you got to have friends that, you know, guys, perennial athletes that are showing up, like it's gotta be a wild time, you know, going into it like that.
5: Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, it's amazing to be able to have been to three Olympics and, um, I've gotten to share that with some of my really good friends that have been to those three Olympics as well. Um, you know, so it's a great, experience to be able to you know share that camaraderie with the other olympians um you know it's definitely some awesome parties at the olympics is especially as you know things are kind of wrapping up and a lot of people have you know finished their events everyone is you know, in that celebratory mode. Um, and it's a really special time to be able to spend that with, you know, other Americans and, you know, even though you don't know them going into the Olympics, you know, you make so many friends along the way yeah. um, that I still stay in touch with. So yeah, it's it's definitely a big party at the end and, and an awesome experience.
2: It's such a small fraternity. And, and yeah. that's the other thing too. And And I know that was, you know, for, uh, for all intents and purposes, my buddy, that was a measure, you know, of, of his life's accomplishments. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? He wasn't, he didn't feel like he did it until he made it to the Olympics. You know what I mean? Like he, he, he had something to prove and, and, uh, my heart goes out. I know how hard, you know, uh, he worked and, 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 you know, and I'm hearing how hard you work uh it's it's incredible i like i said my heart goes out to you guys and and thank you for doing what you do because you you show us all that something great can be done we're all human and this is yeah
6: well it's hard to commit to anything it's hard to commit to a diet for a month and these people commit their whole entire lives (laughs) to something and don't quit it's it's the commitment level over the four years is it's unfathomable to the normal person. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, oh yeah.
6: You're not the normal person, Corey. You're up there on a level that most <laughs> people don't understand. And I wouldn't actually like say this to many people, but I would caddy your shotgun shows around. If you would need somebody to follow you around <laughs> <laughs> in Tokyo, <laughs> you know?
5: Uh-huh. Uh, well, thank you guys. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, Can't I'm definitely honored to get federals. to do what I do. And, uh, you can be my caddy anytime.
1: <laughs> We've talked to a lot Of people over the last couple of years, a lot of people that were just fantastic at their sport. But this is the first time we've ever talked to the best in the world at something like literally (laughs) the best in the world. So it's been where unfortunately we are
6: out of time.
4: Yeah,
1: yeah. we are out of time. We could do this for a couple more I, there, hours. Yeah. You know? yeah, we we barely scratched the surface. But I'll
6: tell you what else <laughs> she says when I get to Florida tomorrow.
4: You'll see in fourteen hours.
2: he'll be, he'll, my, he'll, he'll do a Facebook live. It'll morning. Be up,
1: yeah. Morning, I'm here. <laughs> uh, th- thank you for being uh, such an awesome ambassador of our country. Absolutely, and uh, just being a great example for us I and mean, being an inspiration for us on how to stay dedicated. It's something that you started out, your own words was I sucked. Yeah. You know, that's just <laughs> awesome that you were you know went from that to being best in the world. So uh, absolutely so awesome job. Kudos to you and uh good luck in Tokyo.
2: Yeah.
5: Thank you. Well, thank you guys so much. It's been a blast chatting with you guys, and uh, hopefully we can get out in the field one day together.
3: Oh, Oh, yeah. Don't tempt us. us. (laughs) Corey, for everybody listening now so they can keep tabs on what's going on with your progress and how things are going, where can people follow you or see what's going on with Corey?
5: Um, so you can follow me on Instagram, um, at my name, Corey Cogdell. Um, and then also on Facebook, I have a Facebook, uh, kind of fan page. You can follow me at everything's under my name, Corey Cogdell. So just Google me, Twitter me, Instagram me, whatever you want to do. You can follow me that way.
2: You got That's it. Awesome. You got it. This has been incredible. Fantastic. I, it's one of my favorites. episodes, love it. Guys, where can they find us?
3: Well, they can find us at RuttenRiverPursuits.com. And, of course, all of these social media properties, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just search Rutten River Pursuits. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel, Rutten River Pursuits Podcast.
6: Podcast. Don't forget to jump on our Facebook page and share and like Ryan's video for your chance to win a deeper pro plus. It's going on as this podcast airs.
2: And if you're hungry, check
1: out Moses Family Jerky. (laughs) Use coupon code JerkyPursuits15 for 15% off everything on the site. The
6: whole site? The whole site. Nicely done, fellas. It's delicious. The whole industry. I have one thing to wrap this up that frustrated me today. What's uh-huh.
2: that, Oh, dear Lord, here it comes.
6: <laughs> Will sent me a post of Bob's Your Uncle Bait Company or that something. That
2: wasn't me. Someone so, let me I, know.
6: Yeah, I I saw Did that. Did you find it? Yeah. Who in the world came up with Bob's your uncle? They probably
2: heard of the podcast. Oh, man. <laughs> Guarantee it. <laughs> we
6: gave Stevie, it away. you missed it. You yeah. could That could have no, been. No, that was right. That was our golden egg. That was our, our goose. I, I blew it. it. I knew, knew it. You, you it. came up with it.
5: You blew it.
0: All right. Thank you, Corey. Yeah. Thank you, Corey. Thanks, Corey.
5: Thank you, guys.
0: Riggum weedless. Bob's your it. uncle. Peace. Trash band, hip hoover. Trash band, hip LLC, Incorporated. My <laughs> Just trying
6: to fall asleep. I like that. It,
2: Love it. My thoughts of of insecurity when I'm shooting is like like a tsunami. Like, yeah. And then it's like. I got wet when I was standing next to you. And
3: I, I, you just stand in front it of was, me it was, and it smacks in the face. Over. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm
2: moist. like the Andrea Gale.
6: <laughs> when I, I can't. I'm not going to. I don't. The rudder's gone, Captain. I'm,
4: <laughs> I
3: can't overcome it. We're her, her going her down. <laughs> We're going to start a candle company, and we're going to make two cents, federal paper and dough and estrus. There you go. (laughs) We will sell a ton of those candles.